and then also Psalms chapter 71 and verse 18. I, I feel very strongly about this, and I, it's not my message. I, I'm not, uh, my message to this morning is for each and every person that is here. But I, I do feel, and, and I am, I'm well aware, in fact, I had a conversation yesterday with a pastor, and we were talking about it, and I, I understand that Mother's Day, Father's Day, uh, it, it brings out perhaps varying emotions. There are those, I am so blessed today, and, and uh, I, I say this with, with humility, I didn't deserve any of it, but I'm blessed today with those fathers that have gone before me. My, my grandfather, Charles Mitchell, and my grandfather, uh, uh, Elliot Buford, both of them have passed away. Two of the strongest men I know. My grandfather, uh, Mitchell, Charles Mitchell, flew the, uh, I almost said the name of the airplane, but uh, it, it was an amphibious airplane, big airplane, landed on its belly, flew it in World War II. And, and he never really talked about it much, at least to me. Perhaps I was too young to, to get that conversation going. But he, he landed in the middle of battles. Uh, he, he served in the South Pacific part of the, the theater of war. And it was his responsibility to fly into the battle, land it in the middle of, the, of, of, a, of, a, of a ship battle, and the frogmen, the precursors to the Navy SEALs and things of that nature, the frogmen would jump out the back, rescue the downed uh, aviator pilots that had been shot down, and then he would take off from the water, an incredible man of God. And while those stories came to me later, what I remember is the man of God that never missed a church service. The man of God that served for many years as a Sunday school superintendent in his church. A man of God that taught us that you can be quiet and unassuming and yet you can still be the greatest, most powerful man that this little boy had ever seen. Even through the last, I guess, 8, 10 years of his life as he was decimated by Parkinson's. And he would sit down on the ground with us boys and play for hours uh, 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 trouble or sorry. And we had a blast. And he didn't let us win either. Uh, but, but those men of God. My, my grandfather, uh, Elliot Buford, who passed away last year, my dad's father, who could climb a tree into his 70s, 100 and something feet up in the air, and cut down 100 feet of that tree all by himself just because he could. Who could weld anything and move anything. But yet, the most poignant moments that I have are watching him in church. He was not a shouter. He never ran the aisles that I know of. But he could lift those hands and touch heaven. And that's what impresses a people. My father, who I'm blessed to be around now, uh, I call him almost every day. And, and my father can, can garden better than anybody I know. His uh, house and, and land around there, you could enter it into home and garden and it would be on the front page of magazines left and right. Can do anything, but yet loving watching my father worship and there is today the reason we celebrate fathers is not to uh, is because first off fathers and men come from the Lord and I believe in this day and age it's important to understand that God created male and female and God created family units and God created mothers and God created fathers and although there is a, a understanding of it takes a village to raise a kid. The reason that becomes true is because families are failing. Can I say that again? In our society, families are failing, and so we have to rely on a community. We have to rely on uh, churches. I serve as a police chaplain, and 
I, I was uh, yesterday. I I helped in a, in a little bit in a funeral of one of the sisters, one of the nuns of the Most Precious Blood, who served as a chaplain and passed away very suddenly. And so it was a beautiful funeral, and the honor guard, police honor guard, was there. But we we got to talking just different ones uh, in that in that funeral. We got to talking, and I remember. Riding, because one of the things I could do is ride with the police officers. And I, I, I get to hang with them and go on their calls. Uh, and I remember we got a call one morning because a mother, a single mother, was having issues. Her 12-year-old boy would not get out of bed and go to school. And he was just pitching a royal fit. And I remember the sergeant here in O'Fallon walked up. We walked in. He said, what's the problem? I mean, this kid was just horrible. You can't even imagine how bad this kid was acting. And the, the, the mother said, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and the sergeant said, well, do you have a belt? And the mother said, oh, I can't do that. That's child abuse. And the sergeant said, well, according to the Missouri statutes, that's not child abuse. And in fact, I will stand here and watch you whip your child so that you don't abuse him. Uh, and, and so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll help you out. I was laughing inside. Unfortunately, because of the failure of families, the police department has to jump in and do a lot of the work. And so today, one of the reasons why here at the Lighthouse we're going to honor mothers and we're going to honor fathers is because we do not change ourselves because society has messed up. We're going to honor what God has created and God has done and also to understand that... that uh, uh, Psalms chapter 71 verse 18 One of those verses I told you says this Psalm 71 18 And now also when I'm old and gray headed O God forsake me not Until I have showed thy strength Unto this generation And thy power To everyone who is to come While I can stand on the shoulders Of incredible men that have gone before me And and, and men who have raised me in the truth I realize that's not always the case But can I tell you One of the reasons we're going to take time each year To celebrate Mother's Day, Father's Day Is to tell you That even if you have not had a, a, a someone you can follow, you need to take this and you need to become the one that those after you will follow. It is time for you and I to break the cycle of those who have messed up before us. It's time to break the cycle of society that has, has lost the meaning of marriage and family and, and what it means. And so whether or not my dad or my grandfather have lived for God, let my prayer be God when I am old and when I am gray-headed. God forsake me not until I have shown your strength unto this generation that is coming behind me. Romans chapter 4 and verse 11 which we'll come to towards the end of our sermon says of Abraham he received the sign of circumcision a seal of righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised that he might be the father of all that believe though they were not circumcised the righteousness may be imputed unto them also and the father of the circumcision to them who were not of the circumcision only but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham which, uh, which had yet been circumcised. Now, I, honestly, I understand preaching about circumcision not really the most encouraging thing we could ever do. Uh, I understand that, that, that thing. But what this is saying, and I want to take from it the title 
of my message today, it says the faith of our father Abraham, and I want to talk about the faith of fathers. Uh, and I, I uh, may have given you a little different wording back there, uh, media team, so whatever I gave you, put it up if you want to, but the faith of our fathers. And we're going to come back to Abraham to explain why they chose the, the verbiage of circumcision and uncircumcision. But, but here is what I believe you and I have to understand. And I have pastored now 10 years. I have been a youth pastor. I do, my wife and I are blessed. We do a lot of children's ministry. So I understand the importance of teaching the truth at church and teaching the truth to our young people through our youth services and teaching the truth in our Sunday school classes and our children's church. But to be honest, that is not the first line of defense or even the first line of offense in raising our children. Deuteronomy chapter 6, I'm going to read verse 7, verse 12, verse 19, 20 and 23. going to kind of jump around. It says, and thou, we're talking mothers and fathers, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Verse 12, that beware lest you forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage, chapter, or verse 19, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee as the Lord hath spoken. Verse 20, and when thy son asketh thee in the time to come, saying, what meaneth these testimonies? What meaneth these statutes? What meaneth these judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? And verse 23 says, and he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore unto our fathers. Parents, grandparents, if you have any influence on the kids that are following you, it is important that you learn to teach them the things of the Lord. Teach them when you sit down. Teach them when you're walking. Teach them before you lie down to go to sleep at night. And in the morning when you wake up, let your house be a place where those who are in your house and in your care hear the things of the Lord on a daily basis. Joshua when they walked over Joshua chapter 4 verse 6 when they came out finally of the wilderness and they crossed over the Jordan River to enter into that promised land it was Joshua who said I, I need one man from each of the twelve tribes as you walk through this dry riverbed where the Lord had stopped the waters of the Jordan upwards and now they're walking across he said each of you men twelve men grab a big stone carry it to the other side and lay it there and let this be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in the time to come, saying, what meaneth thee by these stones? And those twelve stones which you took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. This is verse 20, verse 21. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in the time to come, what meaneth these stones? Verse 24 gives the answer, That all of the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord that is mighty, and you might fear the Lord forever. I think it's important in our families. It's important in our relationships. It's important in those that we come in contact with to make sure we're telling them of what God has done for me. 
I think I said it last Sunday, I believe it was. I don't reminisce over my past failures. I don't want to glorify the mistakes that I've made. And I think we better be careful, moms and dads. We better be careful that in telling the stories of our childhood, especially those that might uh, include the sins of our past, we don't glorify it in such a way that our kids begin to crave what God brought you out of. But yet you cannot allow your child to think that you get out of the morning and dad, you can't even take a bath because the water parts every time you get in it because you're so holy. Because if you do, your child will not understand how to navigate life and its pitfalls and its traps unless there is a dad before that says, Son, I know you may have messed up and I've walked in your shoes before, but I know what it means to come down to an altar and I know what it means to lift my hands and I know what it means to let the presence of the Lord touch me. There is a, a, a article that I am working on for next year in, an, in a publication and I have been doing some research on it and it is absolutely terrifying. I, I, was, I don't have my, the book with me to tell you exactly where it came from but some publication this year, I don't know if it was Times uh, New York or, or, or something of that but it's a major publication, wrote an article called The Death of the Male Gender. That we are living in a day and age where possibly the male gender, the masculine gender could just disappear. And I can't even fathom contemplating that. The effects of Harvey Weinstein, the effects of Bill Cosby, the effects of the things and the mistakes and the sins and the horrid things that some men have done have caused uh, our society to kind of just give up on men. And I believe that it's important. So maybe as I get this article written, I'll have another sermon to preach. But I believe it's important to teach our young men what it means to be a godly man. God created us male and female. And, and, and there is a reason why God, men... But, but, but as you look, and I have been careful to hopefully uh, uh, model this for my own sons... And that is, I want to hunt and fish, and I want to hit a golf ball, and I want to play softball, and I want to be what kind of typically is called a manly man. But the greatest thing I can ever model is to let those tears flow down my face as I lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting and come into the presence of God and say, God, you created me and I love you. And when you can model that, your sons and your daughters have a path that they can follow for Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 19 says the living the living he will praise you as I do this day the father to the children shall make known your truth all of us in our families we have things we pass down we pass down guys it's a rite of passage when you finally and it's hard to do brother Perryman it's hard, and I haven't even done it yet, and Zane's bigger than I am, and he can do it, but it's hard to relinquish the grill spatula and say, son, today you get to grill the T-bone steak. It's hard 
<laughs> then then my, my grandfather, now I, I'm not nearly in his category, but my grandfather passed down a little bit of knowledge on how to weld. We all have things we pass down. But I ask you today, are you passing down the truth? That the father to the children shall make known the truth. Psalms chapter 71 and verse 18, and I'm coming back to it. I, I mentioned earlier, but let me say it again. That Lord, when my life is reaching its end, when I stand in the mirror and the man that stands in front of me is frail, and the gray hair has begun to wove itself through my head. And the lines and the wrinkles on my face threaten to, to, to uh, 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 kind of defy who I used to be. That I could stand there trembling and say, God, don't leave me yet until I have shown your strength to the generation that comes. For John chapter 3 and verse 4, the greatest epitaph that you could put on any tombstone would be, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in the truth. I'm thankful for this church. And when I get to heaven and I dance on those streets of gold, I want to see you. And I want to be able to say, I pastored them for a period of time. I want to be able to say, I love the fact that you worship. But if my own children are not there, then heaven will have lost something. I will have messed up somewhere. And it is your responsibility, not pastors, not Sunday school teacher, not youth pastor. It is your responsibility, mom and dad. It is your responsibility, uh, Grandfather and grandmother and grandfather it's even your responsibility aunts and uncles to get a hold of those that follow and say am I teaching them the truth what are you modeling we, we read earlier Romans chapter 4 and see the book of Romans was written by Paul Paul had a, a, a if you will a lawyer degree he understood how to present an argument that was airtight that could not be shaken and so he starts off in Romans chapter 1 beginning to say that, that, that look at what man has done. Man, God just finally said, I'm going to let you to your own devices and look how far man has fallen. And when you read Romans chapter 1, it reads exactly as a, a list of what our society is going through now. Hatred, variance, changing the nature of what God has caused us to be. And then, you know, when you start preaching like that, there's somebody in the audience who, a little bit holier than thou, that says, hey man, preacher, preach to all them dirty, rotten sinners. Paul says, wait a second. Let me preach to you for a moment, Jew. You, you, you think just because you're of Abraham's seed and you think just because you're God's chosen people that God's going to just kind of let you go through life. That's not true. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need the water in, or, or the, 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 the baptism in the water. You need to be saved. You cannot just walk through because somehow you're God's chosen people. And then he goes on to talk to the Gentiles too. He says, hey, you're not God's chosen people. But God in His infinite grace and mercy is willing to graft you in the vine if you'll let yourself be picked up and put into Him. Jesus said, I'm the trunk, I'm the vine, you're the branches. But He makes the statement to try to explain to all. He says, 
that, that Abraham, this is again Romans chapter 4 verse 11, that Abraham received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith that he had when he wasn't circumcised. So God begins to make the, the differentiation of this. That yes, for the, for the Jewish, uh, 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 those that, that were of that Hebrew, that Jewish, circumcision was a, a, a part of God's covenant to them. But God said to them, said, said Abraham, his righteousness his, and his faith did not come because of what he did, actions. It started before. The righteousness and the faith was imputed unto him before the action ever happened. I want to tell you today that in order for your faith to inspire and lead the next generation, it has to be authentic. Authentic is a, it's a word we use and we throw around a lot right now, authentic. You know, you, 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 can, you can go in and it's all, all authentic. Uh, you know, my, one of my things that I see is go to a restaurant, authentic Cajun food. I'll be the judge of that. You cannot just throw a couple spices on something and burn it and call it blackened and let it be Cajun food. Just because you throw a little bit of bell pepper and onions and, 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 and celery in there doesn't make it Cajun. You can go through all of the motions and it look like Cajun food, but when somebody begins to consume it, they are left wanting something more. Well, let Sister Lottie Neely make you a little bit of gumbo. And I know you don't like it, but gumbo means okra so real gumbo has to have okra in it if you're not you're just eating dirty water soup sorry to all you that don't like okra but I do know in which I am talking about when you get a hold of something that is authentic it will change your life I got a seasoning I love it's called slap your mama I didn't make it. But, but you know, that, that's the thing. This is so good, it'll make you want to slap your mama. I will not do that because my mama slaps back. And if she can't reach me, she'll throw something at me. So I learned that. One of the first houses that I really remember was in Bridgeton and Every room connected. It's the weirdest house I've ever seen. Every room connected. Even you, you, could, you could go through the front door and go all the way around and come back out at the front door. I remember being a little kid running away from mom because my mom believed in the belt. She didn't need no police officer to help her. She believed in the belt. I didn't like the belt, so I would run. For about two times, mom chased me around the house. And then she stopped, and I said, ha, huh, I lost her, forgetting it was a circle. Ran right back in the back of her. But, but the thing is, is, is you cannot just go through the motions and think your children and those that follow are going to be okay. In fact, I would tell you,
today that just if you come to church or even if you have a Bible that you keep by your nightstand or, or even if every once in a while you clap your hands or, or do that, just going through the motions is not what it means to be authentic. It is not enough just to, and I'm using this in a spiritual sense, please, it's not enough just to go through the motions and say I've been circumcised, I've, I've checked off the list, I've, I've gone down, I know what it is. I'm telling you today the greatest thing that you could ever have in your life is a relationship with Jesus Christ because the relationship is what dictates the actions. There's two things that has to happen for authentic faith. The first one is how do you believe? What actions, what works if you will? And don't let anybody tell you, you don't need any works because the Bible would tell you you're wrong. Because the Bible says faith without works is dead. So there has to be an outward sign. There has to be an outward faith. There has to be actions. There has to be works. You cannot just tell your kids, I believe in God. They have to see that you believe in God. Now I know I'm getting the cart before the horse because the second thing to authentic faith, which really should be the first thing, is whom do you believe in? Because again... You can go through all the motions you want. But if that relationship with Almighty God is not present, then the motions are useless. And I would dare tell you that if you don't truly have a relationship with Jesus, I don't care how much of your church attendance there is. I don't care how much you give to the church. I don't care what sacrifices you make. It is useless because people can see through the motions. If you don't believe me, go through the motions with your little children. They want you to play with them outside. And you just kind of go through the motions. You're not really in it. You're tossing it. And they say, Dad, are you really playing? Are you really listening to me? Are you really paying attention? Dad, come on, help me. Kids understand it. And they will recognize if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I am convinced that one of the greatest reasons children who have, if you will, been raised in the church grow up to not be in the church. Now, I'm, I'm not, I understand that everybody makes their own decision. That there is a time in which every child becomes a young person and an adult and they, they stand on their own two feet. But I have been around the block long enough to know that one of the greatest hindrances to those that follow is when they see you go to church, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Because they will say, what's the purpose? Why do the sacrifice without the touch? My dad was telling me yesterday, I was talking to him, because I do this very often, I'll call him up and We'll talk sermons and talk what I'm studying. And he, I think yesterday he went to Bandanas or the day before. He went to Bandanas in Florissant. There's a sign on the door that plainly says, No smoking. And then right next to it, under the Bandanas, it says, Smell that smoke. It's a bit of a conflicting message, if you will. No smoking. Smell that smoke. As you walk through the path of your life and you know that there are those that are following you, are you giving off conflicting messages? 
Because faith is a faith that is lived and modeled daily. In fact, I will tell you today that your kids will not be so much interested in how you act on Sunday morning. But they will be looking to see how you act on Monday morning. Can I say it again? Your kids are not going to be so much following what you do on Sunday morning if the message on Monday morning conflicts. Authentic faith inspires. Shallow faith does not. And as I, I draw to a close here in a moment, I'm not going to call you up yet, Sister Cindy, because I'll probably end up talking longer and you'll be up there playing and going, my goodness, is he ever going to stop talking? So I'll tell you when I'm really winding down. But I am winding down. And, and I realized that just a few Sundays ago, a few weeks ago, I preached on the tragedy of Lot and we went through that whole story. And I'm not trying to, to go through all of that again. But I am absolutely amazed at the contrast between Abraham and Lot. Brother Perryman stole my thunder. I was going to open up my sermon by talking about, you know, since we have all this grilling stuff out, I was going to preach about sacrifices and burnt offerings, and he kind of, you know, stepped all over that. But it did make me think about sacrifices and burnt offerings. And I begin to think about how that was passed down from generation to generation. I'm convinced the reason Cain and Abel offered sacrifices, I realize Cain's sacrifice was not accepted, and we could talk about that at a different time, I understand. But still, it was because mom and dad, Adam and Eve, introduced them to the presence of God. But can you walk with me in your mind for just a moment to an Abraham who now has been blessed with the promise of Isaac. Isaac has been born, and, and, and Isaac has, has been growing. And, and there's different, we, we don't know exactly, the Bible doesn't give us a, a chronological, you know, year to year, but a lot of commentators would say that Isaac had reached very possibly the age of 18. We're not talking about some little three-year-old that daddy can sling up on his shoulder. I mean, Zane's 14, he'll be 15 next year, and and, and, and honestly, I think Zane could hurt me if he really wanted to. I'm not really interested in him getting on the back of the couch as he did when he was little and doing a flying suplex on me, you know, right now. But you know, uh, but, but, but honestly, if Zane really wanted to, to push and buck, he, he could put up quite a fight. And here is, is Abraham, he wakes up early in the morning and he, he, he wakes up Isaac, he says, Isaac, we're going to go sacrifice going to go a little bit of ways away and we're going to sacrifice. And, 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 and so Isaac gets up and they go. It's quite a day's journey, maybe even a couple days journey. And they finally leave the servants behind. It's just Isaac. It's just Abraham. And as they climb that mountain, Isaac says, Dad, I'm carrying the wood. And you've got the fire. It would have been a, a burning ember that they probably kept on a ram's horn that periodically... He would blow in it to make sure it stayed alive. They didn't have Bic lighters back then. And they're walking up and he says, Dad, you've got the wood, or I've got the wood, you've got the fire, but where is the sacrifice? Where's the lamb? And, God, and, and Abraham says, God, to handle it. And they get up to the top of that mountain. And Abraham looks at his 18-year-old boy. And he says, Son, I need you to lay down on this altar. Why, Dad? Well, 
God that I serve has told me to sacrifice you. There's no struggle. I mean, my, my, Zeke right now is, is to the place where you've got to change his diaper. He's crawling away, and you run after his little naked boy trying to catch him. You know, I mean, he does that at 10 months. Can you imagine an 18-year-old? I'd have jumped off that altar quicker than you can imagine. Ran down there. I'd have, I'd have been like, 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 uh, what was it? Was it uh, uh, Elisha that, or Elijah that outran the chariot? I'd be like, see that? You don't lost your ever-loving mind. But, but Isaac willingly lays down. And the only reason I can find, Brother Huffman, is the faith of his father. When Isaac said, Dad, I have watched you worship this God that you serve, and I have followed you, and I have seen you on the highs, and I have seen you on the lows. I have seen you when you have sinned, and I've seen you when you've been righteous. And you have so modeled this faith that, Dad, I will follow you even if I lay on this altar and have to die. You flip the pages of your Bible, you find the story of Lot. And the angels come to Lot and say, Lot, God is very displeased with Sodom and Gomorrah. And he is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And you and your family have got to leave. And Lot goes to his wife. And Lot goes to his two daughters. And Lot goes to his two son-in-laws. And he said, we've got to go because the God that I serve is going to destroy this city. But he said he will save us. And if you'll read... Genesis, you will find that mama didn't want to go, the, the daughters didn't want to go, and the son-in-laws didn't want to go. In fact, the son-in-laws did not even leave Sodom and Gomorrah. They were destroyed by the hellfire and brimstone that fell. Mama she walked in and, and, and followed him, but she was, she was mad and she was letting him have it the whole way. And the angel of the Lord said, do not turn around. Do not look. And the tragedy of Lot is his wife turns back and turns into a pillar of salt. And even though the daughters escaped, they committed a horrid sin with their dad. Let me tell you how you compare Abraham so modeled a faith in Jesus Christ that the son that was following in his footsteps was willing to lay down and die because he trusted the God in whom Abraham served. But those who followed Lot were not even willing to follow him to life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Isaac said, I'll die for the faith because I've seen you go. Lot said, I won't even live for, or Lot's family said, I won't even live for the faith because I've watched you grow. I've watched where you've taken me, Dad, and it's just not worth it. Who is following Paul that said follow me as I follow Christ in that same diatribe Paul even said and I'm paraphrasing Paul said but be careful who you follow because there's some you can follow who they've fallen away because they love this present world more than anything don't 
follow them. Their faith is not authentic. I know they go to church. I know all that. But, but, but they're, 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 they, they love this world too much. And if you follow them, you're going to end up a little bit like Lot's family. But I'm telling you today, I want it to be the faith of our fathers is this way. I can stand here today because I've had an incredible man that has modeled his faith. And I have chosen to live my life in the footsteps of my grandfather Mitchell, my grandfather Buford, and my father Buford. But some of you, you may not have that. But here's the thing. You don't throw it away and say, oh, you know, I didn't have that, so this doesn't apply to me. Oh, it absolutely applies to you because who is following you? If I don't, I, I, I don't live, I cannot, my, I cannot exist off the, 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 the coattails of those that went before me. That's what Romans chapter 4 is all about. Yeah, just because you're a child of Abraham does not save you. I cannot get to heaven and say, oh, uh, my grandfather was Charles Mitchell and Elliot Buford and my dad was Paul Buford and, and everything's going to be good. I'm fifth generation apostolic. I know this. I was raised in the church. I slept under the pews. That ain't going to help me at all. And likewise, how ridiculous would it be for me to walk after the footsteps of men that went before me but forget that I've got three children that are following me you see the commandment is not for the past the commandment is for the present how are you leading those now are you a lot or are you an Abraham would your children be willing to lay down their life for the faith that you have modeled and for the God that you serve? Or would the children that follow you not even be willing to live because the model was not authentic? Would you stand with me? We've laughed. We've had a great time. Some of y'all are going to go away with some door prizes. All the men, you're going to go away with a great bottle of rub that you can use. And, and I promise you, it will turn you into a world-class griller. Just all you need is a rub. But it's all right on a, on a Father's Day to let the presence of God speak to each one of us. And while a lot of what I said, I used the male gender and I pointed to the men moms, I'm talking to you too. Grandmas and grandpas, I'm talking to you too. But to be honest, I'm even talking to those that don't have a blood kin that's following me. Because I've lived long enough to watch my own children follow some of you. Jonathan Hare, I've watched my son Zane sit down and talk to you for hours. And I'm okay with it. I love the fact that y'all can argue about who, what superheroes he is. I'm also thankful that in your life you've modeled some other things besides Superman and the Batman. Because in my life, I watch who my kids follow. I, I watch to make sure that, that even those that are not dads and moms are helping my children grow in an authentic faith. 
I would love the Lord, that my children would love the Lord with all thy heart, thy mind, thy soul, and thy strength. If you cannot model your faith in those four areas, then you're not complete. Your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. It is absolutely possible to love them with your strength and jump around and lift your hands, but your heart not be in it. It's absolutely possible for your emotions to get carried away on a Sunday morning in the presence of God, but your mind never truly submit, and you can't even tell what the Word of God says because you have no knowledge of the Word. You just like the goosebumps of the presence. It's absolutely possible for you to have a head knowledge. There's a lot of atheists that have religious degrees, but you can have a head knowledge, a mind knowledge, but nothing else love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. I wonder if you could lift your hands all across this building. The presence of God is here in a mighty way. This church is a strong church because of the faith of fathers and mothers, those that have reached out, and there's so many here today that would be able to say, yes, I love him with all my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength. And so I wonder if you and the Lord would come, and if there's any place in my sermon that God grabbed.